So let's everybody warm up, get to it. Hello, hello. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to Seeker. Season 1 is the Book of James. We decided to kick off this podcast with the Book of James because no matter what your background or what your experience is with uh, Christianity or the Bible, um, this is a very accessible way to understand what it means to be a Christian. Hey guys, hey, just want to get this podcast started. Julian doesn't have any caffeine. Yeah. But the rest of us, it's we're, good. We're, good stuff. That, I think, will be abundantly clear, Julian. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you have to worry about that fact coming through. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we started off the whole thing saying that the book of James had, um, you know, basically trials and temptations be like the first end of the bookend for James. And then you get into, you know, what we do, say, and um, think. think that really matters, right? And then the bookend is closed at the end of James by, again, talking about trials and temptations again. So uh, we've kind of gone through the trials portion of this, you know, front of the bookend. So moving into kind of the temptation segment here, it kind of picks up in verse 12. Yeah, it says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Um, and, you know, it's interesting because I think back to uh, two words in the very beginning, we're talking about the Beatitudes, and we immediately go into this language, right? We're like, blessed is. Um, and here we start out, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, Um and and the idea is is kind of the same. He's he's given us this idea where, you know, no matter what is happening, there is there is a there's a disposition I want you to maintain no matter what the situation. And in this case, I want you to keep it cool when the trials are going on. I want you to I want you to, to remain faithful, I want you to remain steadfast. And even the word steadfast itself is is uh is difficult to, to stick with because this really means if you think about it, if there were arrows being hurled at you, that that no matter what you're going to stand there, right? But even in the trials, you have to remain cool um, and understand who is faithful. Because when you do all that, for when he who has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life. And this is like the World Series. This is the ultimate reward. This is what we're hanging in there for. That's that's what that's what all of these tests and trials that we're willing to go through. Uh, first podcast you talked about, kind of like light at the end of the tunnel. Like we can't forget what the ultimate goal is. Here it is. Um, it's being able to to have the crown of life. And I think when you step back, because there there are multiple scriptures that talk about not worrying about the trophies up on in the in the case and on the mantle. It's not necessarily about putting on 
the crown because like you just won something. I think we should think about the person who put the crown on, right? Let's think about Jesus. Like the crown that they put on Jesus was not exactly, right? It wasn't a big shiny crown. It was a crown of thorns. Um, however, um, in, in, in that world and in that time, uh, it was belittling. However, it just signaled who the King of Kings was. So I think you have to think about that in terms of the things that you're going to be willing to go through, suffer, push through, endure to ultimately have the crown. You know, what's interesting is the New King James Version. I know you're reading the English Standard. I went English Standard tonight. Yeah. Got fancy. Which is cool. It's cool. Jazzed it up. The New King James Version says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation. So it's worded a bit different than the English Standard Version. Because what did you say again, Julian? Trial. Under trial. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting. So, I mean, it seems like... You know, obviously a trial can be a temptation. I mean, you could, the trials you're facing might be, they, you know, I guess they they could be interwoven, right? I'm just trying to get all the clarity on the difference in the two versions, because it's just interesting. Well, because of that, I just went to the Revised Standard from 1885. 1885? Whoa. It's, Ouch. It's cool. We'll, we'll, I'll make sure it's right now. Thou hast... That's interesting. Yeah, it actually it rolls temptation in about every other version. Hmm. Well, in verse thirteen, you know, it, I think it, the, both the versions agree there. It says, "Let no one no say when he's say tempted." When he's yeah. tempted. Mm-hmm. So the context of twelve seems to be setting it up for that. So, you know, I guess I could see how it could basically be kind of expressed either way, but still mean the same thing essentially. Well, I do think that James here is talking about temptation separate and apart from trials. Trials are external difficulties brought on out, like outside of ourselves. They're, they're brought on by circumstance and fate and the things that happen around us. Temptation comes from within. Temptation is something that, that we ourselves um, desire. James goes on to say uh, later in verses um, 14, each one is tempted... When he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed, verse 15, then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. And we talked a little bit about the spiritual dynamic of trials earlier, where trials uh, lead to the testing of your faith, which produces patience, and then patience has its perfect work. There's a similar spiritual dynamic happening with temptation, the internal sort of reflection of a trial. A temptation, the spiritual dynamic, is that we desire something. We are tempted, we are enticed by that desire and drawn away. That leads to sin, and sin brings forth death. So James is warning us that there are spiritual dynamics at work here when we're tempted by something, but temptation takes on a different aspect than a trial because the temptation arises from within us. That's a good point. James is also pretty clear, I think, personally, that God can test us through trials. But he very specifically states, God does not tempt us. Right. Temptation is something else. It has a different aspect to it, in that it's our own internal desires. Um, yeah, I think that sometimes we give you know, the, the devil, essentially, Satan, too much power, um, that's, you know, that's kind of ascribed to him that we assume, you know, 
Because if you were to say, you know, who who's tempting you, you'd say Satan's tempting me, right? If you were just kind of asked without really looking at this specifically at the moment, at least that's how I would probably have answered it, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> before looking at this. But this is, you know, it's it's within us already. I mean, we're making the, these decisions. We're the ones who are, you know, you know, stuff's, stuff's out there. And, you know, are we going to be enticed by it? You know, what's kind of drawing at us to to want to get into things that we're not supposed to be getting into. And, um, and the powers within us to also back, back out of it. You know, there's not some evil being that we don't have power to fight. That's, you know, luring us into this evil snare. It's just, we just, we want something. So we just do it. And, and, you know, it seems too simple almost to think about, well, okay, just, I can, I can control that. That's not as uh, the boogeyman out there trying to make me do something I don't want to do. That's just my own will. I think about Romans chapter 7 when Paul says, I know what I want to do. I want to do what's right. I want to serve God and I want to obey his will. But I don't. (laughs) I don't do it because I'm carnal and I'm physical and I'm worldly and I'm sinful. Um, The good that I will to do, Paul says, I do not do. But the evil that I will not to do, that I practice. And that, I think, has to do with his desire and his being tempted and enticed and drawn away from God. That's a very specific sort of hunting metaphor that James uses, that luring, that drawing away from, which is the way temptation works to pull us away from God. It looks good in our eyes. We, it's something that we want. We desire it of ourselves. And the temptation is that drawing away, that pulling us away from God. Um, so when that when that that internal, like we were talking about earlier, is like letting God work in us versus getting out of our, you know, putting ourselves in front. This is clearly one of those times where we're putting ourselves in front, right? That's clearly one of those examples of us putting our will ahead of God's. So these are this, these spiritual conflicts that we go through have a similar end result, right? That mm-hmm. trials lead to patience, and so does so does temptation. Um, that perseverance, that that coming through it, and it's part of that journey that we talked about earlier. That process of becoming closer to God, becoming, you know, less of ourselves and more of His creation. Is, is letting go of those things that, that we struggle with, that we desire, that we crave, that we want to put first, that we want to make easier for ourselves. Letting go of those things, giving control of those things over to God, giving those things over to His will and His way for us. I think that's what James chapter 1 is really all about is getting out of our own way and letting God work in us and letting God take us in our troubles and in our difficulties and in our weaknesses and in our faults and making something better than what we used to be. I think that's what James chapter 1 is really all about. Well, this is pretty much going to be taking us into being doers of the word now at this point, right? So... Well, I don't know. I guess there's a little bit more in there before that happens. There's 19 and 20, and I like yeah. those verses. Well, 17's good, too. 
Every good gift and perfect gift is from above. Keep going. Just do it right there. Yep. Go. Just read it. Say it and let's do it. Bring it. All right. James chapter 117. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So I guess the piece of verse number 17 that really sticks out to me and... And let me make this point. You can go with whatever point you, you want to next. But it is the fact that without a doubt, the Lord is completely consistent and faithful. Like, because he even talks to us about, like, when you talk to me, you talk to me. When you, you come to me as the Lord, when you come to me, don't come to me shaky. Like, don't come to me unsure and, and, and just kind of all over the place. Because let me tell you what you're like. But then, in contrast, the Lord, I am consistent. I'm always the same. They're, they're, like, do not even think for a second that I will waver. Like, I am always going to be faithful. No shadow that is cast by turning um, with whom there is no variation. Like, inside of us, I think this builds tremendous faith. Like, and for me, it, it, is, it, is, it is so powerful because there isn't one person on the earth that you know that even even though you trust them a great deal and you love them and you care about them that that they don't have some variation just just a little bit of shake at them I love my wife and she's awesome and I love my parents but there, there's just a little bit of unsurety like there is just not a single figure in your life except the Lord that you know that you can always always count on will always be there is always going to get it right and he's always going to do exactly what he said he would do. It's no Foundational. Ac- yeah, it's no accident that Jesus is referred to as our cornerstone. Absolutely. Right? I mean, very symbolic, but very much that same imagery of just that steadfastness, that rock, that that permanence that that God is and always will be from before time to as long as as long as could, we can imagine. Yeah. You nailed it, though, Julian. Is And what I think of is, what else are you going to put your faith in that has no variation or shadow of turning? What are you going to put your faith in that doesn't have that? Is it your job? Is it your stuff? Is it your intellect? Is it your... Because there's always something you don't know. There's always something you don't have. Somebody you rely on is always going to let you down in some way. What else are you going to put your faith in? What else are you going to put your confidence in that isn't going to do that? That isn't going to, like you said, have some little bit of turning in it, have some fault, have some little bit of flaw or deviation or discrepancy in it. What are you going to put your faith in? Is it your looks? Is it your physical ability? Those are going to fade. Those are going to go away. Those are going to vary and shadow and change. Is it your, you know, is it your educational credentials? You're never going to know as much as the next guy might. There's always more to know and more to learn and more to synthesize. Is it your job? Well, you're going to lose that one day. One day you're going to leave your job. You're going to die, you know. You're not going to have that with you forever. 
is it your stuff? There's always better stuff. There's next year's model car. There's next year's, you know, there's the newest and latest and greatest. There's never going to be enough stuff to fill you up. What are you going to put your faith in? Absolutely. I'm taking a breath. I did want to point out in verse 18 where it says, Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth. Which is an important, another theological point that James makes. Salvation comes by the word of truth. Like, that's how we learn about God, through his word. That's how we are saved, through his word of truth. That word, the Bible, the letters that we have, James teaching, that's how we come to know God. That's how we come to salvation in God, is by his word of truth. It's not any other way. You know, there's no extra revelation, there's no mystical, I don't know, deliverance that comes upon us. We understand God by his word of truth. That's how we come to him. And that's the only way. And so when James says, like, that's, a, that's another part of the theology of the book of James. But, is, okay, but you said something in passing, and you go back and flesh that out. You could say it again. I like when you say things again, because it's good. Like, really... <laughs> Gets it in there. But but you just said, you know, we said he doesn't waver. He's the same. He is consistent. And and now he gives us this word of truth, which is, you know, basically it is what will save us, right? It is, we would translate this to 1 Corinthians 15. It is the gospel ultimately, right? But it doesn't change. Like, there is no, no next year... You know, he's going to change the script on what he thinks. And and it's okay that we're going to change total theology. It's cool because he's good with that. Like here he says that. And I think, you know, there there, there is a mindset that I think happens often that, that the Lord's okay with X, Y, Z. But if he, if he wasn't, you know, 2,000 years ago, he's not now. Like... All these things that may occur may change with time. We change, but he doesn't change. Like he doesn't. It's not only that he doesn't change his mind in his love for us. He also doesn't change his mind in his will, and he doesn't change his mind for what he deems to be acceptable. Right? Um, I thought this was super a good time. Just punch that through because you said it. But I want you to say it again and again. I'm not going to say it any better than you just and again, did. Again, say it again. You just no. clarified my thoughts. Did not. I think that you guys both summed it up. I'm, Come like, on, resum it. Yeah, Talk okay. about the first fruits and sum it, sum it up. <laughs> <laughs> well, first fruits is kind of interesting. So he says in verse 18, of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, but that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. And first fruits is a very important word. I mean, that's basically the, the most precious, where the you know, when God had offerings, you know, in the Old Testament to give him the first fruits, right? Like you're picking the best, you're giving the best to God. So God is using that expression back at us, you know, by declaring that we're the most precious of his creatures. That kind of helps go to explain God loves us. You know, he, that's how highly he thinks of us, even though it's crazy for us to imagine that, right? Because, you know, who are we? But yet, there it is. We're the fruit, first fruits of God's creatures. And that's just powerful to think of. I don't think it's a self-aggrandizing way to look at ourselves. I think it's the way that God 
tells us, don't ever forget that this was my will from the beginning, is that you be called out and you become my people. You become my holy priesthood. You're my, you're my guy, God's telling us. And not to ever discount that. Because yes, I, we talked earlier about getting out of our, getting out of God's way and letting him do these things for us. But at the same time, there's nothing wrong with keeping that in mind and remembering that, you know, we are God's first fruits. We are his chosen, we're, we're Christ's hands and feet and head and while we're on this earth and we go out, you know, we have a job to do. And we all work together to do that job for the kingdom and for God. And as his first fruits, it's, it's, I think it's important to remember that. That we have a place and we have a role and a responsibility. So there's high, high expectations and I'm just piggybacking. That's what we do here. We piggyback. <laughs> so Three guys talking? Yeah, just <laughs> piggybacking, man. Three guys talking. So there, there are um, very, very high expectations. I think Paul, Paul brings that to light as he talks about, you know, the Christian life like a race. Very much, in fact, tells we are all racing. Like you're in it. You may really want to be the guy standing on the side, like with your hands in the fence watching this thing. But if you're in it, you're in it. So start racing, and and I think that kind of takes us in. I, I think it it takes you into the next verse because he set up. Look, first, I want you to understand who I am, the power of who I am, the majesty of who I am. I want you to understand how powerful I am. And then I want you to understand that because of that power, I've I've provided a place, a platform, an opportunity through eternal life. And then I've brought you forth through that. There is an expectation. And hey, here's a piece of that. This is conduct that, that you should be engaging in. And it is very difficult, right? You be extremely swift to hear, be slow to speak, and be slow to wrath. You put those three things together, like just start with number one, and it's very difficult. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna show you how how a Christian behaves. I'm, I'm gonna show you what this is like. Um, and although difficult, if if we start you know, we started in the beginning of James. We've we've talked about how trials and temptations are. He's really set us up to say that this life is very, very. Um, it's very difficult in the fact that you have to be steadfast. Like you have to hang in there. This is not what the world is probably promoting. And then I need you to behave like this. But but I I'm always challenged by by this verse, as it kind of leaks into verse number twenty, for the wrath of man worketh not righteousness of God, because I went back to the Revised Standard Version. Um, that when we lash out, this does not show, this does not show off to the world. This does not reflect any light of Christ. In fact, it does the opposite, right? But instead, in reverse, what does show all those things in reverse that that God is has majesty, that God is the same, that He is uh, consistent, is the fact that we are very quick to hear. We, we are not, you know, we, we don't make these rash judgments. Um, and we keep our mouth closed until it's time. We speak at the right moments. We're very careful, very thoughtful. Um, and then our actions, our actions are slow and they're, 
they're they're very very calculated. Hey, thanks for listening to Seeker. Find us at seekerpodcast.com. Check out our website to get more information about the Seeker Project. Also check out our blog and some other information we have there as well. Thank you, my friends. Have a good one. Mm -hmm.